On this edition of Larry the Golf Guy, we talk with Matthew Kent. Um, Matt was uh, born in South Africa in Cape Town and uh, started golf at an early age and uh, had quite the talent for it. Um, spotted by the Ernie Els Foundation, which uh, is a foundation that helps uh, identify and assist young, talented individuals in golf. Um, had a stellar amateur career, um, was twice named while he was a teenager, um, South Africa's number one amateur, uh, turned pro at the age of 17. Um, and, um, uh, we talk about what, uh, in particular that was like over the next 10 years as he tried to make it on the European tour, sunshine tour, various places and, um, uh, at, after 10 years, he decided to, um, focus elsewhere, um, still using golf, but, um, in the travel industry, uh, where he hooked up with Premier Africa, um, and then ultimately, uh, last April, um, forming his own travel agency, uh, Kent World Travel, um, where he, um, Host clients on a variety of trips, um, works golf into those, um, and spends time uh, in between South Africa and the United States. And um, business sounds like it's going great, which is wonderful. So we talk about all that, um, and um, along with the current state of golf in South Africa and um, his friendship with Ernie Els and just um, kind of uh, where where his life is at today. So up next on this edition of Larry the Golf Guy, Matt Kent. Well, welcome to another edition of Larry the Golf Guy. And um really pleased uh, today to have Matt Kent joining us, um, who's had quite an interesting career in golf. Um on the playing side and more recently um, on the travel side, which we'll talk about. Matt, thanks so much for uh, making the time to join us today. Thanks very much, Larry. I'm, uh, I'm very excited to, to be on your show and uh, look forward to chatting uh, all about golf and uh, whatever else comes up. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, you grew up in Cape Town, South Africa. You still, uh, you know, basically based there. Um, but, um, and of course, South Africa, just, you know, from Gary player on down, just, you know, so many great players, so many masters winners, you know, with Schwartzel and the rest. And of course, Ernie Els majors. I mean, just a tremendous, um, legacy of great golf there. Um, so curious to sort of, uh, go back to the beginning with you and maybe tell us kind of how you got started in golf. Yeah, um, so basically, I grew up in a place called Clovelly, uh, which is which is you know about thirty minutes south of Cape Town, um, and I grew up in an area called Clovelly, um, right next to a golf course called Clovelly Country Club, and my parents um, were members of the club, and there was tennis and golf and bowls, so it was a real country club. So I just grew up in the neighborhood. Um, really, a great place to grow up. There were no not not really busy. It was super safe. So it was always bombing around the neighborhood, you know, on my bicycles and playing tennis and cricket and golf and all the sports um, growing up. Um, and then obviously being on a golf course, you know, we, we played a lot of golf, you know, from the age of about three years old, I probably pick up, picked up my first club. Wow. That's young. You're, that's like Tiger Woods age. That's young. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's quite a story actually, because, um, you know, we used to, you know, spend time on the golf course messing around with all the sports. But I once picked up a, it was like a branch of a tree, basically. And we would also look for golf balls and things. And I found this branch and kind of gave it a whack with the, with the ball. And it almost went in the hole from about 50 yards. Wow. And then I was like, I kind of like this, kind of like this game. <laughs> um, and my dad carved this, carved a club out of the branch. Cause it was kind, oh, of, wow. like, kind of like a, I don't know, it had a bit of a head on it and, Anyway, carved a, a club, and that was my first club uh, that I started playing with. And yeah, since then, um, you know, my parents still live in the same house uh, 35 years later or 32 years later. And yeah, I just grew up around the game. Um, and yeah, the golf club made a, 
a special uh, exception to having me join the club as a 10 year old. Um, oh, wow. Wow. Um, and I've still got an amazing relationship with Clovelly Country Club, um, with the owners, the Ackerman family. Um, they, um, you know, they've always been very supportive of me throughout my career. Even now that I don't play golf, I still, um, you know, send uh, American clients to Clovelly to play my home golf course. Oh, that's neat. That's neat. So obviously a lot of talent because um, we'll get to that. You turn pro um, at the age of 17, but maybe take me through um, your early teens and kind of, uh, you. I, I gather from what I've seen, you played a lot of amateur golf, um, including internationally. Um, kind of what was that like? And, you know, beyond your dad, were there any particular coaches, mentors that were kind of key to get you to develop? I mean, because you were you know, you turn pro at the age of 17, you're the number one amateur in the country for a couple of years leading up to that. So obviously you had a lot of success, a lot of talent, um, kind of maybe take us through that part of your career. Yeah, with pleasure. Um, yeah, I think, so I started, I started playing golf, uh, competitively, I would say probably at about the age of 12 years old, maybe 11. Um, I grew up, you know, Clovelly, but then we lived in Botswana as well. Growing up with my family, my, my dad worked for BP. Uh, so we were in Gaborone when I was five and six years old. So I used to play golf at Gaborone Golf Club there. Uh, so, you know, playing, just played on the weekends, some golf. And um, and we actually lived in Azerbaijan, Baku for a couple of years when I was 10 and 11. And there was no golf. And all, all I can remember was wanting to play golf you know, when we lived there, but there wasn't one golf course. Um, I'm sure it's changed now. They've, you know, they've rebuilt quite, quite massively, but no golf. And I played all the other sports. Um, so when I got back from Azerbaijan, you know, age 11, I was just so keen to, to play golf. And, um, you know, so I basically started playing all the junior golf foundation uh, tournaments in the school holidays. Um, and this is another reason why I think South African golf is, you know, is in good shape um, and is and is why we've got so many great players was we've got a really good golf program, you know, throughout the country in the different uh, provinces. So I used to play in the school holidays, um, play competitions. I used to play the Saturday competition with the men, you know, from 11 years, 11 years old, wow. um, you know, afternoons with the men, you know, junior competitions on the, on the, on, you know, school holidays. And obviously after school every day, I just wanted to play golf. Um, but on top of that, I would I was a I was a keen sportsman. I played tennis and swimming and water polo. I played field hockey. I played cricket and golf. And I think playing all the other sports um, made me a better golfer because just ball sports in general, right? And learning skill. Um, so yeah, I started playing competitively at about twelve. Um, I was in contention for the men's club championships at twelve years old. Oh wow! <laughs> uh, ended up just missing out by a couple of shots that first year when I was twelve. Um, but I won my first um, proper junior tournament at twelve years old, um, and then yeah, I just started progressing pretty quickly. Um, I had a, a very good coach um, from Clovelly. His name was Dave Urdendahl. And he grew up in Rhodesia at the time, back in the day, now Zimbabwe, grew up with Nick Price, um, yeah. you know, McNulty, those guys. So he was a real old school golf coach. You know, he, he would have me on the range. I, I wouldn't, it wasn't technical stuff. It was all fun, fundamentals. We would look at Ben Hogan. We'd look at all the, all the, all the greats and sure. basically just do what they did, you know, set up and, you know, just basic fundamentals. You know, we'd practice in the wind. Um, Clovelly was really windy. So we would hit on the range. Uh, it wasn't even a range. It was just a hitting tee box down the 10th fairway. Um, and, you know, you'd have a cigarette box and you'd just hold that thing above my head and, you know, tell me to keep it still and, you know, real, real old school stuff. And so he, he was, he was instrumental for me, you know, in my foundations and my, my development as a young player, just teaching me the, you know, the basics, the, you know, natural old school quality, no, no frills. Um, so Dave Woodendahl was a big, a big part of that. And, and obviously Clovelly supporting me doing that. Um, and then obviously Ernie else as well, uh, joining the foundation, uh, they made it possible for me to play competitively, to be able to afford to go to all the tournaments, to play all the order of merits, because 
you know, to to achieve uh, colours to play for South Africa, you have to, you know, play the order of merits in certain events. And those were spread out throughout the country. Um, so, you know, I started playing, you know, 12 years old, traveling for for tournaments, representing Western province. Um, and then as I went, started representing South Africa on a junior level. Um, and I still remember, you know, my very first, um, my very first international golf trip. Um, it was actually with a buddy of mine who was, we were both 13 at the time. Oh, wow. We, Young. Just the two of us, we, we decided we, we want to go play Tory Pines. We, we want to go play the World Juniors. World Championship, right. Yeah, so we went 13 years old, um, just the two of us. Our parents said, that's fine. Gave us some a credit, wow. credit cards, some cash. Wow. <laughs> we had a bit of a, a little bit of a schedule, so we, we kind of knew where we were going. But for the most part, we were in hotels. We were catching cabs. Um, and with two 13-year-old South African boys um, hitting America for a month. So we wow. Um, wow. we did we did Tory Pines and then we went and saw um, uh, Mark Immelman down at Columbus State University. Uh, spent a week with him, just hitting balls and getting some coaching. And then we went to the Optimist International down in Florida. Um, and you know it was a fun trip. I mean, I, I still remember uh, Tory Pines. We we got there and there were a couple other South Africans there, and they had their parents with them. We 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 didn't. And uh, I remember walking into the, you know, the halfway house or the snack shop, or whatever it is here. And, you know, we went and bought a Coke, you know, Coca-Cola. And it was like, I don't know what it was, $5 or something. And that's like a lot of Rand, you know, at the time there was you know, 60 Rand or 70 Rand and back home yeah. it would have been five Rand. So it was 10 times the price. We were, we were blown away by how much it was. <laughs> but then we realized, hang on a minute, you get, you get the cup and, uh, and it's refillable it's unlimited so we used to we, just, we, shared, <laughs> we shared the cup for the whole week between all the south african boys <laughs> so, i love it that's great that's yeah, great you so, know yeah, and that was, yeah. yeah you've probably seen the photo of ernie and phil when they were kids at at tory pines in the world championship holding the two trophies um which is kind of a famous photo so um and you mentioned ernie um, I want to just talk about that for a minute because I don't know if the listeners, obviously everyone knows Ernie Els, but necessarily are familiar with the foundation and this aspect of the foundation. And and frankly, I'm not, I wasn't even that familiar. I was looking a little bit about it over the weekend. So I take it, but but you know, you fill this in for me. But I take it that they part of what the foundation did and maybe still does is kind of identify um players uh juniors you know who have a lot of potential and kind of help support them and so i gather that's kind of what happened to you with with the foundation right yes exactly so i i'm trying i was trying to remember how the foundation came about for me um i think it came through uh dave Udendahl, it came through clovelli um and they i guess they put me forward for it um, knowing that i needed you know funding to to play all these events um right and also the Ernie Els foundation has come through a few um changes throughout the years um when i was in the foundation it was primarily um it was you know that generally the program is is designed for for previously disadvantaged people that cannot afford to get an education and to to you know play golf and play sport um, but at the time I was involved, it was a combination of sort of elite players plus guys that are disadvantaged and just people that needed help and support. Um, and that was massive for me. I mean, the fact that, you know, Ernie um, and his team there were basically supporting and helping manage me as a young golfer, um, selecting tournaments that I should play and shouldn't play. Um, we had life skills weeks where we would go for two weeks, the whole team of, um, you know, of, of students, and we would learn about life skills, learn about how to do radio interviews, learn how to manage press, learn how to, you know, eat at a table, learn table manners, you know, just general life skills that they really taught us at a young age. Um, and I know now, um, you know, now forward, it's, there's, there's a lot more emphasis on education um, so I don't know if I was a part of that um, change a little bit, maybe, uh, because I never finished school, um, and we can maybe get to that. But yeah, basically now it's it's more about creating 
these kids that have a all-rounded um, good education and a good uh, good setting for 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 a quality life. Um, and golf is a vehicle to help them do that, um, but not necessarily the focus. Um, it's it's more like a part of the life skills. Um, but but yeah, that was an amazing part of my life, and uh, very thankful to Ernie for that. So did you, so as part of that program, I'm not sure how big it was. Did you, I know, and I'm sure he had a whole team. Was he directly involved? Did you get a chance to sort of know him? I'm sure you probably have over the years, if not then, but I mean, what was his particular personal involvement like? And that must've been, I think we're talking like early 2000s. So, I mean, you know, he's, you know, in the core of his uh, prime of his playing career I have to go back and think of dates here. I mean, he had won Oakmont, I think, in 94 and Congressional in 97. So, you know, he's multiple major championships and, you know, still in his prime. So did you get to spend much time with him as part of that? And how how was his involvement uh, work in that? Yeah, so he's he's always involved. Um, he, he, you know, even in the background, he's he's very much clued up with what's going on in the program, who's in the program, who's doing what, you know, how everybody's doing. Um, but he does have a manager. His name is Hannes Vanikirk, who looks after the foundation at the moment. Um, and when I was part of the foundation, it was a gent by the name of Carl Nivot. Um, and he was also a huge mentor, um, psychologist guy, very supportive. Um, but but we basically spent about once a year, we would see Ernie at the Life Skills Week, or if we went to tournaments, we would see him. Um, and then once a year, they have a Ernie Else Invitational which raises funds for the for the school, um, uh-huh. where they have, you know they invite a bunch of uh, companies and folks, and they and they donate and they raise money for the foundation to support the kids. Got it, got it. Um, so um, so you're doing that. You're playing all you know all this great junior golf, uh, including some international stuff, um, and uh, you know you're 15, 16, and you end up turning pro. At 17, I know you were at, um, uh, you know, you, you were at Fishhook High School, you know, in, in Cape Town, but then you're 17 and you decide to turn pro. So talk me through mm. that pretty momentous decision to sort of, you know, at that relatively young age to sort of, you know, go from school to now uh, playing professional golf. What was what made you kind of do that? And, and what was that like um, at that young age? Yeah. It was an interesting time for sure. Um, I'd obviously been playing internationally from the age of 13. Um, I played the Eisenhower and I you know, did pretty decently there, sort of top 20 in the singles at 16 years old, won the junior world in Japan, team champs. You know, I played the St. Andrews Lynx Trust, uh, played the British amateur, um, actually lost in a, the quarters to another South African. Um, wow. But- Wow. You know, played the Indian, all Indian amateur, you know, played in Australia, um, Scotland, Ireland. I played a lot internationally. Um, I had, uh, you know, I guess I was number one junior in the country for, for two or three years and then number one amateur for two years. So I was, you know, I was at the top of the ranks in South Africa. Um, I had played extensively internationally. I didn't play much as an amateur in the U.S., other than the Puerto Rico Eisenhower. Um, so I'd always wanted to turn professional. I'd always wanted to be the best in the world. It was always a, a dream of mine to, to be the best in the world. And, you know, at the time, 17, um, there was, I had a few, diff- I had loads of options. I mean, I must say there are probably 10, 10 colleges at the time. Oh, since I'm sure I'm, you could, right, yeah. You know, since the age of 13, Going to that Tory Pines event. Oh yeah, you're you're on their radar screen if you're at the World Championships in Tory Pines for sure. On, on their radar, and I mean, I had guys walking with me at 13, yeah. you know, talking to me from then. So from then all the way through to that 17, I had a, quite a number of college opportunities, um, and then I had probably five or six, you know, world class management companies also knocking on my door, and in fact, probably you know, building relationships with us since about 15, you know, they would send me and my families on trips to the British amateur and to this and to that and no obligations. And obviously in in the amateur golf world, you're not allowed to receive sponsorship or anything like that, but they were allowed to pay for your trip 
and um, with no sort of strings attached. So there were companies doing this and we were, we were like, well, this is a good opportunity to go to the British amateur and to right. go to this tournament. So we were right. definitely took them up on that. And, um, and then obviously there was Ernie, um, Ernie on the other, you know, on the third corner, you know, saying, Hey, you know, slow down, slow down, slow down. Um, so it was a very tricky, difficult time actually, because I'd always wanted to play professional golf. Um, you know, I think, I think that the college system, you know, I think now, like now, I think the college system is incredible. I mean, I see it, I see all the players. I mean, nine out of, nine out of 10 guys that are, that are leading, you know, are, are college players. I mean, there's no right. doubt that it's an amazing development program, but, but at the time, there was a misconception, there was a, a misunderstanding, and I think still even in, in today, of what the college system is in America. And so there was like this bit of a negative approach to it where it's like, mm, you don't want to go to the wrong school. You don't want to have the wrong coach. You know, you know, there, there, were, there were these kind of fear factors that, that possibly the management companies were putting out there as well. You know, right, because it's in their interest for you to go right with them as opposed to going to college, right? Yeah. yeah, possibly. So, so we were, you know, we considered the college option, but didn't really dig into it deep enough. If I was to, you know, go back and change time, I probably would <laughs> would really start looking at that. Right. Um, and then you have management companies that were offering, they were offering me amazing uh, sponsorship money. Um, I'm sure. Yeah. For for you know three, four, five year deals. They're offering invitations, so they had a lot of power and a lot of pull to get me into European tour events, to get me into international co-sanctioned tour events, you know, and, and they're the promise of looking after me as a young player. Um, and then Ernie going, slow down, you know, slow down. Um, and anyway, I, 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 I kind of try to do a pros and cons with my family, my parents, um, you know, they were amazing. They were never forceful or pushy they were never trying to push anything they actually really wanted me to 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 get a, an education firstly which that which didn't happen i uh, got the life i got the street life education life education <laughs> right yeah yeah um and yeah and at the time there was you know big players that um were managed by these these groups and uh you know when i looked at the south african history of top south african players uh, a lot of them didn't go to college, you know, yeah. you yeah. know, pretty much most of them didn't. I mean, maybe nowadays you look at it and okay, there's more guys coming through college. So I think that pattern is changing, but you looked at Ernie else, you looked at, you know, Gary player, you looked Gary at player, Spots, right. or Louis Hustays yeah. and, you know, you looked at yeah. all these guys and go, well, these guys didn't go to college. So they don't need to go to college. Um, and, you know, the, 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 the option of getting into all these events meant hey if i turn pro i can get a great deal sponsorship for the next three years i can get into all these big events i can bypass q school and if i just play the way i'm playing i'm going to have a tour card and i'm and i'm on my way and i've got my ticket and if i don't play well at least i'll have some experience and all of that so you know that led me to to decide to turn professional um I had a few groups, IMG, Rocky Hambrick, Stella Group, and then ISM as well. And there were a couple others. Um, and I ended up choosing to go with ISM, Chubby Chandler's group. Right. Uh, because they had a pretty big South African stable. Right. Um, there was a lot of promises of, of, you know, really looking after us. And uh, that was, you know, that was the deal. We went, uh, we went with them and signed $150,000 deal with Dunlop per year and uh yeah seven invites onto European tour seven invites challenge tour and wow. that was going to be my my ticket so <laughs> that's how it started <laughs> wow okay that that all that all makes sense so we're off to the pro tours this is probably around 2005-ish I think and and so you go off and play all these things did you Take me through what those early years were like and what was your experience? I mean, you're sitting there and you have all these expectations and, you know, and just just such success and um, up to that point. And sort of what's your expectations and what was reality like um, when you were actually doing it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously very excited. Um, 
you know, my first five events, I started out in South Africa on the Sunshine Tour. Uh, my first three, in fact, um, got an invitation to the Dimension Data, um, which was at Sun City at the time. Yeah. Played okay. You know, I came 50th or something like that. I didn't play well, but I made the cut. Right. Played another event the week after on the Sunshine Tour, made the cut, played a little bit better, but I still felt like I was hacking, but made the cut. Played another one, uh, Telcom PGA Championships, uh, came 12th. So I was like, okay, getting better. Um, and then I went over to Dubai and played the Dubai Desert Classic. Um, and I was rooming with Lou Oersteisen actually for those two weeks. I played oh, wow. the okay. Desert Classic and the Qatar Masters. Yeah. Because um, Louis was also in the Ernie Els Foundation as well. Okay, so that makes we, sense. We, sure. We know each other fairly well. And um, anyway, we roomed for two weeks, played the Dubai Desert Classic, and I still remember, you know, playing the practice round with the South African boys and just completely losing my my game. I mean, I was like totally out of comfort zone, uncomfortable. I think the just the environment is is, yeah. is probably the biggest step up, uh, yeah. which takes time to get used to. It's just like the whole, you know, the whole theme, the where you are, the what are you actually doing here? You, you know, so you kind of forget about playing golf. Um and anyway, that was pretty overwhelming. And, uh, you know, I ended up seeing my coach on the range and he just kind of calmed me down. And I ended up making the cut. Uh, you know, I didn't play great as well, but, you know, I made the cut by driving the 17th, uh, the last two holes of the second round, of, you know, over the palm trees where Patrick Reed. Where, uh, the, where Reed the, just hit it in the trees, right? Golf, exactly. Golf ball yeah. story there. Yeah. <laughs> I drove the green and I boxed a 40-footer for an eagle and then wow. made a birdie, birdie on the last to make the cut by one. Wow. So it wow. Was quite, a, quite a fun finish. I was like, okay, this is cool. I can do this. Um, so that was that. I finished about 46th or something there. And, and then the, the following week, we played the Qatar Masters and, you know, played a little bit better, made the cut there, but didn't play well. I wasn't playing well at all, but, uh, uh, you know, five cuts in a row to start my career. And I thought, okay, this, yeah. is, this is decent, you know, decent yeah. stuff. Um, and then, then a lot of change started happening. Um, basically, my management company was based in Manchester, England. Yeah. And 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 the, the the decision was made to move to Manchester from Cape Town because it was central to to Europe, easy to travel. You know, going to be playing a lot in Europe. So I moved to to Manchester. Um, and there was another player at the time that was he's a year older than me. His name's Anton Haig. He, um, he actually won the Johnny Walker at 21 years old. Oh, wow. Um, so he was a phenomenal South African golfer as well. Unbelievably talented. And he was also managed by ISM. And they put us in a house together. Um, you know, 18 and 19-year-old boys in a house <laughs> with a like a gold card. It's a, quite a recipe <laughs> for, for some action. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I totally get it. <laughs> yeah, so that's how, that's, how that, that's how my career got started. Um, and, you know, thereafter, I played European events in Europe. I played some Challenge Tour events, um, got a few decent finishes on the Challenge Tour side. Um, but I guess gradually, I guess my lifestyle started changing quite a bit. Okay. From, from living in Cape Town, weather, beach, ocean, you know, to pissing with rain in Manchester yeah, uh, on our weeks off. So we ended up not doing the things we used to do to play well. Um, and we used to, and we sort of started veering off and seeing other things that, that we thought were quite interesting. Right. You know, nightlife, you know, bars, things like that. Sure. And, and I guess what kind of happened, the, the next couple of years were a little bit of a blur. Because just gradually, you know, missed the cut by one, you know, missed the cut by one. And now you're sort of putting a bit more pressure and now trying to find some game and you're like trying to right. force a bit. And okay, I need another coach or I need someone else to help yeah. you find something. And then the pressure was kind of on and performance level slowly started to go down. And before you knew it, three years later, I was like, poof, no card no 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 management company no nothing i'm on my own and i haven't got much to show for it and i'm not playing very good golf either so by the age of 20 i was sort of at quite a low point i was not 
I was not, you know, playing good golf. I was, you know, not confident. So all that, all that, that rise came down pretty quick. Right. Um, and then basically I got a, I got a lucky start. Um, some other friends of mine from South Africa were involved in a professional golf program in San Diego. And it was called, uh, I am, uh, international athlete management i am run by a guy by the name of dave marion he was a lawyer um, based out of san diego and he put together a program for professional golfers and he had he had you know found the funding from sponsors and he put together this unbelievable program in san diego you know we had dean reinmuth coaching oh wow, us. wow. Gio valiente yeah working with mental us. coach right yeah mental coach we, we had um, facilities to practice at we were playing the golden state tour you know there was money to go and play you know um qualifiers so and we were in a team environment so i got plugged into this program when i was 20 and i started to rebuild through this program and so now you're living out of san and you kind of moved and you're living in san diego as part of this san right? diego boom san diego here we come um, and there was another few South Africans, Tyrone van Asvichen, who was on the PGA Tour for about five years. I was going to say, sim more similar climate to South Africa than Manchester, England. Is. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, similar climate, similar lifestyle. And I guess I also got a bit of a wake-up call. And I was like, whoa, okay, this is now, I need to get serious. This, to be a professional golfer, you 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 have to be you know, pretty serious. I mean, you can have fun and you've got to be yourself and you've got to be happy, but you can't, you know, you can't be doing stuff that's not going to help your golf. Right. Um, that that doesn't work. Um, anyway, so I was involved in this program for, for two years, started winning uh, mini tour events, Golden State Tours, started to really rebuild. Stroke average was coming down, you know, under 70 again. So starting to look pretty good. And then we, the 2008, uh, 2009 economy uh, hit and uh, the, the funding from the program fell out they, they oh they had wow to, wow they had to okay. kind of you know reconcile and 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 pull out on that so just out of the blue boof program over sorry guys like you know no more cash oh wow oh my gosh because this this whole program was geared to to getting us to the pga tour but right. not only pga but it was to sustain a career on the pga right. tour so right it was a real development program which is what's missing i think in golf in, in a lot of that, that, that bridge. Yeah. Um, because you need cash, you need time, you need the right program, you need development. And the structure um, too, for the whole thing. I mean, it sounded like it was structure. really nice. Uh, it adds that structure to your life. And, oh, uh, it was, it was structured. You need the structure. Um, and you were in a team environment as well. You weren't just on your own, like battling it out every day. You, you had buddies with you. So, you know, when you were a bit, you know, weak and you didn't want to go to gym that, pull you with them to gym and then you would be there and you'd have a good time so anyway that was that and um that fell out and i came back to cape town and i was like poof okay now what do i do um you know and i, I was like well i'm developing really well um i gotta keep playing golf and this was early in the year january february it's like right i'm gonna i'm gonna just design my own program here in cape town get coaching facilities training diet you know the whole program but now on my own and it was really good playing mini tours winning some mini tours developing nicely doing all the right things um went to q school but south african q school sunshine tour they also have okay. one a year there um and i and i just i don't know i just played badly you know probably just all this mental internal pressure of what it is sure and uh, didn't get my card and I was like well I can't do this another year you know I, I this is just I need to do something else and I guess that's probably the start of when I started thinking about okay what else I need to do something else um, and so that started another journey of my life where I you know try to get a job and I, my buddy you know I went to a friend of mine obviously through golf if it wasn't for golf I wouldn't know anybody probably um and he's like well come and work for me but what what are you gonna do I like, well uh what do you need me to do you know um anyway i ended up doing a digital marketing course and you know i was always interested in online and i said well yeah. i'll come and 
I'll come and get customers to call you, you know, instead of you trying to call customers. And so we, we did that. And I ended up doing that for three years um, for my buddy's stationary and office suppliers business just oh, to wow. do something else, you know, okay. it was fun because it was new and I, you know, but then, you know, after a while I was like, this is, this is not for me. This, yeah. this is not my, not my, not my jam. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to give golf another go. Okay. Uh, so so I went back to to Clovelly and back to uh, the Ackerman family and and uh, put together a proposal to them to to sponsor and support my 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 rebirth of my golf career. Yeah. Um, and uh, and yeah, they were they were absolutely um, they, they they backed me hundred percent, and I gave it a go again again. Set up my program, mini tours, you know, training, and then Q school. And the plan was let's get a South African tour card first because it's much more affordable to play and stay in South Africa sure improve myself and slowly start building again and and then obviously there's all these co-sanctioned events in South Africa with the European tour right which is another reason why there's a lot of talent coming into the world is through these co-sanctioned events yeah um, and anyway was going great Q school and I, I remember it as clear as day I was walking down the it was like the seventh hole at Bloemfontein Golf Club I mean you know, and I was a couple under par, second round, and I was going fine. And I just remember mentally not being good, you know, not being well in my head, talking negatively about myself. And I realized there, hang on a minute, this is not good for my mental health. Yeah. I, I need to, I need to do something else because this is not good for me. I'm actually playing quite well and, you know, it's not going well. So, Anyway, that's when I made the decision to, to, to veer off and do something else with my life, but still incorporate golf into it somehow. And I didn't know right. quite then how I was going to do that. <laughs> Interesting. It's, it's such a crazy game, right? I mean, it's so mental. It's such a, the mental aspect is such a huge part of it, right? I mean, um, but so that's interesting. So you're like, if we're like, what, 2012, 2013 in that neighborhood. So you're 25-ish or something like that, if I'm doing the math right. And so hmm. you kind of, um, so you say, okay, I, I need to go down a different path. Um, yeah. And, and uh, but you want golf to be a part of it. So you end up, and I don't know if you went right to this or there was another thing in between, but you end up going into travel, right? And you end up, you end up, I know it, I think it maybe is around 2015 that you end up connecting with, Premier Africa. Was there anything in between, or did you kind of just jump in to say, "Hey, let me give this travel with golf as an element of it uh, a, a shot"? Yeah, there was actually something in between. I um, so I was, you know, I'd come off the golf, and I figured, right, what am I going to do? Who do I know? Like, what am I good at? How do I figure out something to do? Um, and basically, I came up with a few options. I was going to start either a small business doing, you know, uh, digital marketing for small companies. Or I was going to do travel. I was really interested in um, in hosting travelers. Um, and my a friend of mine, uh, the owner of Premier Africa, he he uh, that's what he does, and they and they host guests and things like that. Right. Um, so I, I wanted to do that, and I approached him. I said, "Hey, I'd love to get on board." And he said, "Oh, okay, great." Um, but I said, "But first, I I need to go to America. I've got some other options I want to explore. Can I get back to you in a month?" Once I've looked at them, because I was thinking PGA Tour, let me go caddy a little bit as well. Quite okay. like, quite yeah. like that. I have a few players on the tour. Let me let me just rock up at the event and just see maybe some caddy's sick and need them. Someone needs a bag, right? You know? um, so I, that was an option. Another friend invited me to go skiing, and he was he's a super you know connected guy that has international businesses. So I thought, okay, that's quite quite a nice thing to do. Go skiing and. Park City and yeah. never know what, what that might what yeah, bring. Yeah. Um, and then obviously the travel thing was in the background. And so I went and did the US trip, um, was thinking about everything. And then I basically made my mind up as soon as I got back. I was like, no, I want to do this travel thing. I called up uh, Premier and said, I'm, I'm ready to go, ready to start. And, and they said, well, actually, we filled the position. Sorry. Mm. Uh, I was like, what? I, you know, anyway. Uh, and then I ended up going to my mate, my skiing mate, um, Drew Madachi, great guy. And he's like, sure, I'll give you a job. Come and be the manager of my bar in Cape Town. I was like, cool, I'll do that. 
I'll do that. So I, I ended up managing or being the assistant manager of a really cool and trendy bar called the House of Machines uh, in Cape Town. It's a cocktail bar. They make great coffees and it's live music and it's a full full time all the time. Um, and they've actually opened up in, in Los Angeles, New York. They've got Tokyo wow. and now Cape Town as well. Um, anyway, so that was that was a that was fun. I mean, I learned how to you know manage a bar and basically spent all my money there that I made. <laughs> so you know, I got into the social scene, and yeah. you know, just nine ten months into that, I was I was I was like, listen, now, this is not uh, this is not a long term thing for me. This was great, not my speed. I need to get into golf. Golf is my game. It's what I love. It's what I know. Let me find a way. Um, and basically then started hosting on a freelance time basis um, for Premier Africa, uh, just playing golf with their guests. Um, from time to time, you'd have guests in town and I would just play golf with them, get played, get paid to play and share my you know, story and, and play golf. And, and you know the guests generally love to play with a good golfer. Um, so I did that and, and I actually set up my own travel company at the time just a small little travel company and it's quite funny because we call our company the golf guys which is that's so funny <laughs> you know, we, we called it the, the golf guys and we and we did you know cape town golf tours so we would look after people in and around cape town but we would deal with hotel concierges and we would you know link up with guests that are already in town and and be like look you guys may or may not know about golf at the hotel but we do so if you've got guests that want to play, we'll host them, we'll look after them, we'll do the whole thing. So I did it. I did that and I host, hosted for Premier. And then uh, Premier said, look, we want you full time. And then, you know, shut down golf guys and went full time with Premier and basically just uh, hosted their guests, um, then started hosting the entire trip from beginning to end. And these trips were typically groups of uh, eight to 10 couples from the U.S., um, and yeah, I started getting into logistics and tour leading and golfing and really looking after these members um, on a you know trip of a lifetime to South Africa. Um, and so through that, I developed relationships with these travelers. You know, they would they would I would spend two weeks with them, playing golf right. with them, dinners, looking after right, them. Sure. And so I, I would start getting invited to member guests, come play the summit member guests in Vegas, come play here, come play there. I was like, well, I'm coming. Let's, let's go. I'm coming to that. Um, and so and that's, that's kind of how my sales career started was, you know, getting invited to these events. And then, you know, my past travelers introducing me as their guy that's did right. their safari for them, you know, and, and I was the guy and I was like, geez, okay, you want to go to Africa? No problem. Let's, let's do it. Let's put it together. Um, and so I started then doing sales um, and hosting for Premier Africa, um, which I did for, you know, seven years for Premier Africa, um, but full-time sales for about four of those years, four or five of those years. Got it. And so, um, and I, I think I saw Ernie Els show up at some point. He started partnering with Premier Africa, I think. I don't know if you were, if you've crossed paths with him again, but I, it sounds like he, um, a few years ago, I saw that, that he was part of that group as well. Yes. Yeah. Ernie, Ernie came on board with Premier for a short period. It was about a year or maybe it was a year and a half. Um, it, it was just a short, a short period where, um, you know, he, you know, Premier, you you know, was partnering with him. We would use his name and and face right. and to put together Ernie Al's trips. Um, but you know, it, it, I don't think it really worked out just because Ernie has a full time playing schedule. He wasn't able to be there. Right, uh, right. And you know, these guests were always ask, oh, "Is Ernie going to be there?" Right, uh, of course. Well, <laughs> no, no, he's not. Unfortunately, you know, he's, he's playing. Um, but yeah, that was a that was a good partnership and. Um, I, I didn't really have much of a role in that other than maybe the fact that Ernie knew I was there and anyway, but it was all done separately to me. Um, but yeah, I saw Ernie last week or a week and a half ago at the PGA show. He was there with, uh, with Liesl and, and Rob, his manager. And it's always nice to see Ernie. I always bump into him and he's, uh, he's very excited for me and for my business now. Um, yeah. Coming through the foundation, you know, because 
for a while, you know, he he wasn't happy that I turned professional. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. Didn't listen to him. Yeah. Um, and you know, he, he he I was you know the next Ernie else. You know? Right. Right. So, sure. So he was he was a little upset about that. Um, but you know, we've we've worked out we've worked out our issues, and we are. Yeah, good, great friends, and you know we see each other often. So he's 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 an awesome guy. Yeah, that's great. So let's talk about your business. So after all these number of years with Premier, you decide to um, do your own business um, now that you're uh, so you know knowledgeable, and experienced in travel. So Kent World Travel launches, I guess, what last spring. So talk to me about that. That's exciting to sort of start your own business and what was that like what was your process of you know leading to that and how's that been yeah it's been awesome um you know kent will travel we've uh i kind of went in circles about the name but at the end of the day it's me we do world travel um and that's one of the main reasons we we started it was we wanted to offer the world you know we're off, we're, we're premier is very much Africa-based. They do a few things outside Africa. Right. And I wanted to develop relationships with my clients where I wasn't chasing new clients all the time. I was looking after my existing clients and asking them the question of where would they like to go? You know, right. Where do they want to go? And, and I can facilitate their entire experience for them. Um, so that's how it got born. And obviously for my love for America, uh, my love for, for golf, is is the backbone of this whole of this whole thing um you know basically i my main my main target is our, our private country clubs golf clubs in the usa um clubs that have the time and the money to to travel um, right we, we offer exclusive trips for the club and their membership so it's almost like a, a value add to the membership to have travel opportunities through the club right um, we put together groups of eight or 10 couples. We, you know, we, we'd offered exclusively through the club, um, either through the general manager, uh, the director of golf, the head pro, or whoever the, the key person is at the club that likes to travel with their membership, that sees the value in offering member travel to the members. Um, and we put together amazing experiences, not always golf, but a lot of the time there is golf involved. Um, so, for example, um, a trip we've just delivered for Dallas Country Club. Uh, we went to South Africa for two weeks. We we spent two nights in the in the Winelands, um, and it was a couples trip. And half the half of the folks were golfers, and half were not. So every day that there's great golf going on, there's amazing sightseeing and excursions going on. So total non-golfing program, complete mm. golfing program. So there's always something for everybody. Uh, fully hosted. So myself and my my new wife, uh, we got married on the 30th of December. Oh, congratulations. Um, I saw that. That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we we host these trips uh, personally. Uh, so everything from, you know, putting them the trips together to actually delivering them on the ground. We're with the guests the whole way um, because we're, we're, we're you know, dynamic couple and we've got amazing couples that join us. So you've got the male and female uh, hosting element. Um, and yeah, two nights in the Winelands. We did three nights in Cape Town where we went up the mountain, did Cape Point. You know, we played great golf, great food and wine. And then we head up to Fancourt for three nights where we played all the Fancourt golf courses. Um, the links at Fancourt, which was number one in the country. It's actually just recently been bumped to number two. Um, but it's top 50 in the world golf course, exclusive private club. We have access to it. Um, in the other two golf courses, the Montague and Otaniqua. And then the non-golfers went off and did elephant interactions and caves and ostriches and boat cruises. So there's always something for everybody. And then our trip ended off on safari, uh, which is probably the pinnacle of, of a South Africa trip, doing a, a you know, world-class safari where we spent three nights at Earth Lodge. You know, you see all the big five animals. Um, so daily, twice daily game drives, dinners under the stars, incredible people um, and then we also threw in some golf there at leopard creek which is now number one in the country top wow. 50 in the world as well i think it's 26 in the world maybe 36 i'm not sure top 50 though top top class golf course um, and all of that is you know private charter flights you know in between everything every all the luggage is taken care of it's all inclusive 
so that's a, that's what we just did for Dallas. Um, so we do club trips like that uh, to South Africa. We we've got another trip going to New Zealand next week, which is you know Terra Iti. Terra Iti. I knew that was going to be on the list. Yeah. yeah. You know we we go to the best of the best. We go to Portugal, Spain. Um, do, you, do you do the do you do the sand uh, belt courses in Australia at all, like Melbourne and those? Yeah. Yeah, we do Sydney, Melbourne. You know, we do Australia. So we we do a lot of golf trips um, to exotic places, um, stuff that's a little bit too difficult to plan yourself. Um, right. We we go and do all the research. We find the best partners. We get everything organized, all the logistics, the vehicles, the hosting, the hotels, the meals. We put it all together. And so, we, you know, that's our specialty is, is private club member travel. Um, but then we can do couples or families or anything custom as well. Like totally, we can do anything, but we focus on that. And, you know, once we deliver those trips, then folks come back with their families and they want to go other places and we, we look after them as well. That all make that's great. Um, sounds like it's thriving. And, um, you know, it's just interesting listening to you talk about it with private clubs you know we've had on the podcast a, a number of um uh head pros from some of the top clubs in the united states um i mean we just had jim smith jr on from philadelphia cricket you know i've had um scott and i from marion jeff kitty from arana mink all those are all around philadelphia but and and one thing that struck me and jim smith uh talked in particular about this and it's kind of present in my mind because he was just a few weeks ago about exactly this about the member experience and doing these kind of trips and i i hadn't realized how prevalent that is at some of these clubs where it is exactly as you say you know they take eight or ten couples um and you know go off on these trips so i think that's a great market to be in yeah thank you yeah it's it's a great market and uh yeah, it's really a good fit for clubs that see the value in offering these things to their membership. You know, they take the hassle out. You know, our um, our venues and our partners basically give us a give us a room or two for free, which is where we can offer that to the pro and their wives. So the club can send a couple as a representative to have a holiday, but also to nurture relationships with their membership, right? Build these bonds um, so that when they come home. They're hugging each other, high-fiving. It's like a totally different dynamic. Um, And you've got members that may or may not know each other on these trips that end up forming new relationships, new friendships that last a lifetime through travel. Um, So that's the the beauty of it is is, is the delivery and seeing these friendships grow and, you know, and then the clubs just want to keep doing more. So, you know, we we love what we do and it's, um, it's great that we can do it around golf uh, we can take folks to the best golf courses in the world because typically not everybody wants to golf, but the ones that do want to golf, we, you know, they play the best tracks um, right. and something for everybody that, you know, maybe, maybe John doesn't want to go to Africa and, you know, look at the animals, but he wants to play great golf. Right. And he ends up, you know, going with his wife and, you know, he's, you know, she's really happy and he ends up having a way better trip because he falls in love with the animals and he gets great golf. Right. So it ends up it ends up really working out well. That's that's awesome. And and um, you know, I can I can hear your enthusiasm for it and it's 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 great. I'm sure the business will keep thriving. I do have to ask you, you know, notwithstanding how great everything is going in the business, and it's great to hear, um, do you ever sort of get the itch at all to sort of um say, you know, this is going great and everything, but you know, you're still you know, in your, 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 in your late thirties, I mean, you're not 40 yet. I mean, and, and um, you ever get the itch to sort of give the golf um, another try at all? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, every now and then there's a little itch. Um, you know, if I don't play enough golf anymore, you know, I play a lot with clients and I play when I'm on these trips and I play to develop relationships Um but what ends up happening if I, if I play three or four or five days in a row, I start to play, I start to find some game again. And that's when I start going, hang on a minute, this could be, this is, you know, I've got, I've got some game. So I, I think, I think one of the, my goals will be, you know, get this business up and running and, you know, really strong. And then I can sponsor myself. Kent will travel can sponsor me. Right. 
to play. Um, and I'll probably start out playing some amateur stuff, you know, just under the radar, go play some USM qualifiers, maybe see if I can get into some tournaments and just see how that goes on the amateur scene. You know, I don't know. never know. Um, but uh, for now, I'm, I'm really loving the, the travel business. Um, I'm loving the fact that I can st start loving golf again as well, you know, because, it, you know, there was a tough time there where I, I didn't want to play golf. It was, it was right. quite a tough subject. It was it was kind of mentally scarring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> so, I hear you. I would, avoid, yeah. I would avoid playing if I could because I just, you know, had this history um, of, of not succeeding at it. Um, but now that I'm playing and I realize, hang on a minute, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to shoot 65. You don't have to score a number anymore. You can just go out and enjoy and play with your guests. And that's giving me a love for it again. And, um, you know, I, I love golf. I, you know, the one thing I always say is that, you know, no matter where I go in the world or, or any golfer for that matter, you, you can pretty much go anywhere in the world. And if you rock up at the clubhouse, you, you're at home, you know, you, right. you know, you know your way around the pro shop, you know, driving. Totally. Around. It's like you're back. And and these clubs are in amazing environments. Um, generally then the nicest places of town. Yeah. So yeah, golf is a is a blessing and you know, really happy to have it in my life. Uh no, that's awesome. And I um and I could see I've I I saw your swing on YouTube a few places, and I, I think you could do a lot of damage in the US mid amateur if you ever went back to, <laughs> to that. I have no doubt about that. But um and, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier, I just want to, about golf in South Africa and, and, you know, just how incredible, you know, relative to its population in the world, how many tremendous golfers. I mean, everyone, of course, knows Gary Player and Ernie, but, you know, Schwartzel and the Immelmans. I mean, you just go down the list. I mean, it's just such a wide thing. Obviously, I know you have a relationship with Ernie. I mean, the other guys at all, do you sort of, run into them keep in touch with them do you have connections with any because it's a long list of folks from south africa who are pretty significant in golf yeah yeah no we we all know each other you know it's a very small circle um but yeah i mean i i'm in touch with uh one of the a guy by the name of grant fienstra he's a guy that i grew up playing south african golf with uh, he was a great player, but he now teaches a lot of them and coaches a lot of them. Burmester, Christian Bezadenote, he's coaching quite a few young players. Um, so I bump into him quite a bit. Um, and yeah, I think that South African golf is so strong and just in general, because we've got great weather. We've got incredible golf courses out there. I think we've got 450 odd golf courses in South Africa. Um, wow, that's a lot. A lot quite a lot and about 150,000, you know, registered affiliated golfers. Um, and then you've obviously got a great golfing program. You've got great provincial golf, and then you've got golf RSA, which is um, the governing body for golf in South Africa. Okay. Got the elite players now are part of a program uh, run by Grant Hepburn. Um, and it's based out of Leopard Creek actually. Okay. Um, and Johan Rupert, uh, one of Africa's you know wealthiest uh, businessmen and families, he's huge into golf, um, and he he pumps a lot of a lot of money, a lot of effort into uh, building these young players. Um, you know, he he hosts a bunch of uh, things to to help these kids. Um, so, you know, and then together with the Sunshine Tour, and Rupert is involved with that as well. You've got four co-sanctioned events into Europe every year. So you've got a huge gateway every year through the Sunshine Tour into Europe where these guys can plug their tickets and head into Europe and, you know, start start making their way. So you've just got a really strong program down there. Um, and, uh, you know, there's great young players coming through. Um, you know, definitely you're going to keep an eye on the South Africans. There's more and more guys coming through all the time and they're developing them better and better, getting them more prepared. There's quite a few going to college as well, which I think is great. And that's what I would I would definitely recommend in most young guys to 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 do the college thing if they can. Um, but yeah, we're South African golf is in good shape. Um, and just golf in general, you know, I think it's pretty much followed the trend of of America with with COVID. That it, you know, COVID was not yeah. good. Yeah, pretty much a good thing for golf. Um, you know, rounds are up and memberships up. Uh, people are spending money on golf. And so there's more and more golfers joining the the crazy game that we love. 
Um, so yeah, golf's in, in great shape in South Africa. Yeah, and I I totally agree with you about the COVID. I mean, we saw that here in Los Angeles. I mean, during um, twenty two, you know, twenty 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 one. I mean, it was the you know quintessential socially distanced sport, um, <laughs> and um, you know everyone's rounds were way up. Hopefully, we can keep these folks um, interested in the game. It is a great game, um, yeah. Matt. I want to really thank you. This has been fascinating to me um your journey which is you know still far to go you you're, you're a young guy but um the business sounds like it's doing great um and uh so congrats on that congrats on uh the marriage and um you. you know i wish you the very best this was really a lot of fun i enjoyed it yeah thank you very much larry i uh i look forward to meeting you in person one day maybe playing absolutely. around golf somewhere absolutely uh, and having a beer <laughs> I, I would love it. Thank you so much.